0: Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson in DC. It's another crazy day in the neighborhood, isn't it? Today, Greg Oliar is back. We're going to be talking about the Dem debate, the disturbing tracking of U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, Maria Ivanovich. And then we're going to be talking about Greg's thoughts on the candidates and specifically Bernie Sanders. Now, I may have some Bernie supporters listening who probably won't like what Greg has to say. I was a former Bernie supporter. And I just, you know, Greg, I believe, is a Biden supporter. And he's going to talk about why he or I'm going to ask him who he's supporting. And I'm pretty sure it's Biden. And he's going to explain why. Now, he may say some things about Elizabeth Warren, why he doesn't think that she's the best person for the job. Well, I think she is. She's my preferred candidate. I'm going to be voting for her in the primary. Greg's probably going to be voting for Biden in the primary. And that's fine because we're both adults and we're allowed to have differing opinions without making it personal. So I'm just throwing that out there because Bernie Sanders is um, somebody that, you know, if, 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 if you say something negative about him, or if you bring up something that people don't want to deal with, they get angry in some cases, not all Bernie supporters, but a lot of them do. And I'm just saying, if you're a Bernie supporter, that's great. I'm going to vote for whoever the Democratic nominee is, whoever it is, and it's not going to be Tulsi, so don't even go there. It's basically down, I think, we're, we're down to Biden- Warren and Sanders. So I can't speak for Greg, but I will be voting for the Democratic nominee. But I am open. I am open, even with Elizabeth Warren. If if news comes out about Elizabeth Warren that I find troubling, well, then I will figure out what I'm going to do then. I may decide to change my vote to somebody else because I am open. This is when we vet, all right? So I'm just putting it out there that uh, we're going to be having discussions about candidates that aren't going to be warm and, and fluffy and cozy and sweet we're just going to be talking straight. And uh, if you don't like it, I understand. But I would hope that you choose to take a mature stance and say, all right, I may not agree with this person, but I'm willing to listen. And if I still don't agree with this person after I'm done, I'm going to still vote for Bernie or whoever it is. So there's that. And if if you've never listened to this show before, welcome. It's a listener supported show. So Basically, the way that this show runs and is produced is by you, the listener, becoming a patron at patreon.com slash startmeup. All this information is going to be put in the description of the Patreon text of the show. You can find it there. You can also... Maybe you're like, I'm not ready to become a monthly patron, but I, I like what Kimberly's doing, so I'm just going to send her a one-time payment right now, and I'll, I'll consider becoming a patron. That information is also going to be in the text of the Patreon description. You can just go to PayPal, um, and I'm going to provide my email address, and you can use that to make a one-time payment. You could do that. Or you can become a patron for $1 a month or $2 a month. And if you really like the show after you've listened to a bunch of them, you can upgrade to $5 a month, which would get you into and another thing. And that's something that I usually do with a co-host after a free show. But I'm also occasionally going to be doing solo shows where it's just me talking about something specific, which I'm going to be doing very soon. And just for patrons only, it's going to be about, and it's going to be $1 or up. It's just going to be uh, something that's been going on with me. It's, it's positive, but it's something that's been going on with me and uh, I want to share it with my my listeners. And that's just my little personal thing for you. So just become a patron, uh, a patron at patreon.com slash startmeup and I will be forever grateful because I am forever grateful to everybody who has already signed up and so supportive. Um, you can also find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and of course, wherever podcasts are found. And it would be super fantastic if you'd go over to iTunes, subscribe to my podcast, and give it a positive rating and review. Thank you to everyone who's done it. I'm trying to grow the show on iTunes, and I'm growing the show overall. As I said last week, I was eventually going to make it two shows per week. That's pretty much what I'm going to be doing now. There will be a few exceptions if I have doctor's appointments or whatever, but overall, there's going to be the staple of Wednesday, and then I will be doing uh, the, you know, probably a Monday, but like for instance, tomorrow, I'm going to be talking to the, the CEO of MeWe, which is the Facebook alternative. That's when he had free. So that's on a Thursday, but I'm usually going to try to schedule the two shows on a Monday and Wednesday, but it's basically going to be that floater day. So I want to accommodate guests. Sometimes they're not able to make it on a Monday, so I will accommodate their schedule. Uh, okay. I think that's it for now. Time to talk with Greg Oliar. Welcome, Greg.
1: Thanks for having me back.
0: Oh God, I'm glad to have you, but you know what? Before I forgot to mention this in the intro, so I'm just going to quickly throw this in. Uh, Steve Schmidt was actually supposed to be here today, but he's out of the country. So he is scheduled for January 29th. So I just wanted to make sure everybody knew that. So anyway, okay, back to you, Greg. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not
1: working for um, a guy who sells coffee. To, for, I know run for president like Steve. <laughs> if I did, it would be a guy who sold New York street vendor coffee. So.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I'm going to be talking to him a little bit more. I mean, I want to cover the existential threat that Trump poses, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure you're aware of his new pack, his super pack, which is called the Lincoln Project. Have you heard of that? I
1: I have heard of it. Yes. Okay,
0: so I want to be asking him questions about that. Um, you know, I want to find out because it seems to me that's going to be like the GOP reboot, and I want to see uh, how. I mean, he said they the Lincoln Project. Uh, says that it's nonpartisan and it's for the rule of law. But mostly um it's comp- uh, mostly now the people who are on board are either uh, former Republicans or they're conservatives. I did see Molly Jong fast. I was gonna part say Molly's on that list. Right. But- so I'm wondering <laughs> if they're gonna bring in more Democrats or uh, you know people who are more liberal minded. So I wanna just ask him questions about that. So anyway, I'm not gonna bug him too much about Howard Schultz. <laughs> I don't okay, think I don't good. think he I'm had a very to hear good time.
1: That'll be a good
0: interview. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I I, I love uh, I love listening to him. I don't always agree with him, but I love listening to him. Um, all right, so I I kind of gave this intro. I like I did the last time with you. I kind of warned everybody that you're going to be talking about some of the candidates in ways that they may not be happy about. But this is a Democratic primary, and it's the time we vet our candidates. Um, so I did, and, and everybody loved you the last time. So, you know, I'm like, I went over, I bent over backwards to warn them just to make sure that everybody understood that, uh, we're all allowed to have our opinions and we're all adults here. But I mean, as it turned out, everybody was like, Oh my God, Greg is awesome. You have to have him back. So you are definitely a popular guest and I'm excited to talk to you today about everything we're going to talk about. But what, what I'm going to ask you about first is the news that broke yesterday about Marie Ivanovich. Um, and the fact that, you know, Giuliani's goons were tracking her. And this has been described as a smoking gun. Now, and, and, you know, and it's also basically, it appears, you know, it it gives the appearance that maybe perhaps they were thinking of getting rid of her. I know Malcolm Nance absolutely suggested that. So A, do you think it's a smoking gun? And B, how significant do you think this is going to be in the grand scheme of things?
1: I think, first of all, the word goons is the operative word. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, this guy Hyde, they're trying to present him as a congressional candidate. Yeah. And um, just because somebody runs for Congress doesn't make them a legit politician. Yeah. This guy is absolutely a goon. I spent some time on his uh, Twitter feed yesterday, and he he's a goon. That's what he is. He's, he's, a, he's a completely... <laughs> He's a MAGA cultist to the utmost degree. I mean, I I tweeted this morning that he's drunk so much Kool Aid that he's formed, he's summoned the form of the Kool Aid pitcher that burst (laughs) through the wall to deliver more Kool Aid. Like, you can't find a more MAGA guy than this guy. So, this is a guy who, and also who is trained in the military. Um, and knows how to kill people, like, professionally. So those two things together are really dangerous. If you Mm -hmm. look at the videos and the pictures of him with Trump, I mean, the look of pride on his face, that he's with this great man, it's just its so pathetic that it's terrifying, actually. So this guy is absolutely a goon, for sure. There's there's no two ways about that. I also uh, pretty quickly determined that I don't know why else they would be tracking her movements other than there was some plot against her either to assassinate her or to menace her Mm -hmm. in some way. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, I, I don't think they were like arranging a surprise party for her exit (laughs) and waiting for until she was gone to set up the balloons. You know, I think this was absolutely nefarious. I don't think there's, there's, you know, no two ways about it. And I was worried a little bit about the, the, some of the evidence that they released yesterday were handwritten notes that Parnas had done um, on stationery from that hotel in Vienna, mm-hmm. and that makes me a little bit nervous because it's not dated, and maybe they were imaged in the app. Mm. But the WhatsApp stuff is dated; it's contemporaneous, and I mean, this is this is absolutely damning. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I've said that so many times. Right. In my book, I wrote that we're waiting for the smoking gun, and in fact, there are so many mm-hmm. smoking guns that there's just this cloud of fog over everything, and that's the problem. And I think this is one of the problems that the media has had. We are so used to, as a as a culture that that you know consumes law and order style entertainment, mm-hmm. we're, we're we want the smoking gun. That's usually what we find, and in reality, in complex cases like this, there is not any one smoking gun um yeah. so i think it's sort of foolhardy to even wait for that what we have is a preponderance of evidence mm-hmm. that implicates trump giuliani pence pompeo bolton all of these guys in this plot uh to extort the president of ukraine and do whatever they needed to do to get that to happen so that's it that's enough for me and not only do we have a preponderance of evidence to support that we have zero exculpatory evidence, yeah, like no nope, even even the, the the Republicans in the House did not attempt to defend what Trump did mm-hmm. or say that he was innocent or anything. They just attacked the process yeah, they did they, so, they never
0: defend his character in any way or yeah. or stand up for it. It's just like you said, they go after the process,
1: which is going to be interesting because, and again, this impeachment stuff is is uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody really has any idea what's going to happen. Like, literally no one yeah. has any real idea until it starts to play out. But the Clinton rules that they seem to be gravitating towards, you get 24 hours to present the case, which is Schiffs and his team, and then they have 24 hours to defend the president. And how the hell are they going to fill 24 hours defending this guy? <laughs> I mean, it's really it, – I'm very curious to see how they're going to do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to with that. Um do you think that this this new breaking news about Jovanovic is going to Tip the scale. okay? may not be. a. I mean, it is a smoking gun. It's one of many smoking guns. But is it going to be a a, a scale tipper? Is it going to be a significant piece of the story that's going to make a huge difference? Or is this just more terrible shit from the Trump administration that gets like you said, like it's just gets into this cloud and then MAGA doesn't care and it's all the same?
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, MAGA doesn't care, period. And MAGA is never going to care. That much we know. But MAGA is maybe at most a quarter of the population. Mm -hmm. I think still most people in this country are not really paying attention to this stuff. They're vaguely aware that stuff is happening. They might have formed some opinion of this or that, but they're not really paying attention. And when the trial starts, I think that will be the time that people start to pay attention. So so. I don't think it's an accident that Pelosi chose to send uh, the articles of impeachment to the Senate today and then this stuff leaked the night before. Right. I think now McConnell's getting this, uh, which is already damning. And he's saying, well, you know, he's Mm -hmm. thinking to himself, how can we, how can we scuttle this without getting egg on our own face? And now it's how, how can he do that? Now it's, it's maybe an assassination attempt here. Yeah. This is like, you know, it's mob tactics in every conceivable way. So. And people know this and it's fresh in everybody's mind. So to go into this trial now, which seems like it's going to be happening, and not address it and not call whatever witnesses they want to call, it seems like something that even McConnell will not be able to viably sell. If there's one thing that people in this country know it's what a court is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. I mean, Law and Order ran for how many seasons? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. Every exactly. other show is like some courtroom, this or that. So we know what a sham trial looks like. Yeah. We know what a good trial is supposed to look like. And if it doesn't look like a good trial, I think people are not going to be happy with it. And he's got to be careful because if he if if they lose the Senate in a meaningful way, mm-hmm. um, even if Trump wins reelection, which I don't think is going to happen, but even if he does and loses the Senate. He's, you know, that, that changes the whole complexity of things in, in, in an enormous way. So there's a lot at stake here. There's so many variables it's impossible to predict. And I don't even want to try to predict. I mean, one of my friends asked me the other night, well, what do you think is going to happen? And I said, I don't know. You know, no one knows. Yeah. If Lawrence tribe doesn't know, then I don't know. <laughs> <Right>. You
0: know? <laughs> Amen. Um, mm-hmm. uh, let's see. Let me let me just switch gears here and let's let's get into um, the really fun stuff, which is Academy Awards, no, I'm <laughs> which is um, le- differing opinions on candidates. I, I'm, I'm not sure. And I was going to ask you, are you who are you supporting for the Democratic nominee?
1: I mean, I, I'm you know, I'm K-Hive and I'm still K-Hive. Right. So I, I have not come out for anybody. Oh, OK. I, I thought you were going to be for Biden. Well, I was going to say. I think that, and I think most of the Kamala people, at least the ones that I engage with seem to think that there's some kind of deal in place where Biden will pick right. Kamala Harris, and if that happens, then that's it. It took I think twenty four hours for most of k hive to get on the Biden train, yeah, I mean it really it was very, very fast so what if so,
0: what if though okay if if we don't know who he's choosing to be his you know v p yeah. um And we only find out after, you know, like, you know, if he's if he's going to be the nominee, then we would only find out after. I mean, are you are you only backing him because of Kamala or is it do you think that out of all of them right now? Because I think what it's going to come down to is Bernie, Warren and Biden. I think those are the three top. I don't really think Buttigieg is going to get in there. And the reason why is because he doesn't have the support of the black community, and that's essential. Um, And I think that of those – of the candidates right now, as much as I like Klobuchar, and I really do, um, I don't think she's going to get in either. So I think it's going to be those three. So of those three, I'm going to assume Biden is your top choice.
1: I – yes. I don't – I will make it my mission between now and whenever it's all decided to make sure that people know that Bernie is awful in every way. And that he's a fraud. Um, and, and that's we will get into that at to.
0: the end, at the end. Cause I, I yeah, we're yeah, going to yeah. talk about your article. So I have,
1: I have strong views on him and, um, I don't think it's a matter of debate. I think it's it's pretty much written in the Mueller report why I don't support him in any way. Right. So Um, I just want
0: to reiterate that that's not necessary. I mean, you have formed an opinion, but it's been based on facts that Mueller has offered you.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. And we can talk about that later. Yeah, I I feel like. but, But apart from it, even if I didn't think that, I mean, Bernie is a guy who is in love with himself, will picks people to work for him based on how much they like him and how much they they sort of blindly follow what he says and has not had a track record of getting anything done. So if you're one of these people in the in a Democratic Party who are very progressive and 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 I am one of these people for that matter. I, I you know people seem to assume that because I support who I support that I'm not uh you know that I'm opposed to these these great, you know, new deal 2.0 style things and that's not true. I want all this stuff. But the, the idea that Bernie is going to be the man to implement this is is based on nothing in his record i mean there's he's been in congress since 1991 i think and you know there's seven bills two of them involve the naming of post offices one of them involves the vermont centennial something or other i mean he's not a guy who can bring people together he's not a guy who can get stuff done and, and you know love the two-party system or hate it the united states has had a two-party system since like the second election right (laughs) yeah it's not going to change that's how the system is set up Mm -hmm. so if you're going to make meaningful change in this country you have to control one of the two parties and make and 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 make it enough of a majority and a vocal majority to get it to work for you all the way down the line him going in there and alienating A bunch of people who you know maybe don't like everything that he has to say and being like kind of a jerk, like I think he was last night. um, It's just not going to get stuff done. But if you are one of these progressive people who want those things, then hello, Liz Warren will actually you know get the stuff done. Yeah, she has uh, demonstrated a track record of achievement and success. Mm -hmm. And she's not my preferred choice, but mostly because I don't think she would win. Or or, actually, that's not true. I think anybody would win would be Trump. I don't think Trump is winning no matter what. But um I think she has more um what's the word? Uh, vulnerabilities than mm-hmm. than certainly than Biden has. Well, um, but
0: you know, what? let me ask you a question on the vulnerable vulnerability. Obviously, yeah. Trump, you know, Trump mocked the disabled journalist, and he constantly comes up with stupid names for, you know, like Adam Schiff and Pencil Neck. And, and he, he's just a child, you know, a, a schoolboy yes. bully kind of child who is angry at the world. And when he doesn't get his way, he comes up with names and he comes up with way to mock people. Now, I want to just put this out there that I think it would not be beneath him to mock uh, Biden's stutter. Now Biden, you know, I mean, a lot of people don't know that Biden has a stutter. He's overcome a stutter. And, you know, and and I know that, what's her name? Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders made fun of him for it. And then, you know, he quote tweeted her and said something about the fact that, you know, he overcame the stutter and then she apologized, whatever. But still, I wouldn't be surprised if Biden is the nominee And he's up on a debate stage if Trump has the balls to debate him. Um,
1: Which he won't. But
0: right. But (laughs) I mean, or even if, you know, let's say Biden is out on the stump and he you know, he stumbles over a word or two that Trump would make fun of that. Um, I see that as a vulnerability. But I also feel like Biden has been able, at least within the Democratic Party, um, I, I was wrong because I didn't think that he would make it as far as he's actually made it. And, and and I say that because I thought that his numbers would drop. I thought he would say he would be, you know, gaffe. He would – something would hurt him. And he's run for president before and he didn't make it. And I just didn't think that he was going to make it this time. But he is the Teflon Democratic candidate because nothing sticks to him. The the people who are supporting him are, like, all in. And they don't give a shit if uh, – you know, like, clearly they don't care about – Hunter Biden in Ukraine. They don't care about, didn't hurt him within the Democratic Party. Of course, anything's going to hurt him in the Republican Party. But I, you know, I mean, I kind of worry that sometimes uh, the way he presents himself, whether it's stuttering or um, putting words together, like two different words together, becoming one word or something that like Trump could go after him for that and try to make him sound, even though, we know Trump has problems speaking like I think was last week. What did he say? Uh, t- t- tolerate or something like instead of tolerate. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, he's he, functionally Trump is functionally illiterate. So, yeah, but know, he'll make I, fun
0: I, of people and it doesn't stick sure. to him. I mean, it sticks to him, of course, within ours on our side. And when I say on our side, I don't mean Democrats. I mean, sane people who recognize that he's a threat. But I mean, I worry that with Biden, um, he might, see or go after the vulnerabilities biden has uh which one thing could be a stutter do, do you think that's even an issue or a problem
1: no I, I think that at this point people know all about joe biden the other thing that we're not considering is if biden is the nominee obama is going to appear and enthusiastically mm-hmm. endorse him mm-hmm. um biden, yeah that's true kamala harris and obama together is is about as good as we can put forward right now i think Um, so yeah, I'm not worried about, about that vulnerability with Biden, I think. And and, and I've been pro Kamala, but people that I respect a lot, all the the sort of national security type people that I engage with on Twitter were for Biden from the beginning Mm -hmm. and, one of my one of my dear friends from high school who I've known and, and, and talked politics about since we were like, you know, freshmen in high school. And he always he still remembers every dumb thing I've said in, in all this time. <laughs> and uh, he's he's Edward G. Robinson on on the Twitter. I can't remember the, the actual handle. But anyway, so he's on there and he's very, he very he said from the gate. No, it's got to be Biden. Biden's the guy, the numbers are good, he mm-hmm. polls well in the Midwest, you know, this and that. All the very dry kind of um, statistical kind of arguments yeah. that I don't like and my friend who is an economist does like. So I, I think he checks all the boxes. Do I think he's he would be the best president? No. If I had to pick one of the remaining people, it would be Klobuchar, it would not be close. Right. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? Um, as for Warren, like, I think she has vulnerabilities, but I also think, and I haven't, seen people talk about this that much a lot of the things that democrats perceive as vulnerabilities i think would be strengths in a general Mm -hmm. election like the fact that she was a corporate attorney or whatever Mm -hmm. and that she was a republican until she was 40 that seems like something she could talk about in the general a lot yeah and say hey i used to be like you i used to you know i have these values i like america i like national security i like you know kind of making sure that the you know the budgets are balanced and all that kind of stuff but i saw that it was veering into a bad direction and that's when i changed parties Hmm. like i don't think that's a bad thing i think that could be a sell because i don't think a lot of people who are you know independents and republicans probably know that even they're so focused on the pocahontas business and 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 probably perceive her as an almost bernie-ish out of touch you know pinko progressive whatever um so for her to come into a general election and and sort of present herself as this is how i formed the opinions that i formed it's because i also share these values that you all share i think that's a strong sell that's why i think she would win too like i'm not I, i i still think the biden harris ticket is the best one but um you know, if Warren well, He, won, has, he mean,
0: has the poll numbers. I mean, but we can argue Hillary had the poll numbers and it didn't help her. Um, well, when, so she,
1: Hillary, Hillary won by 2.8 million votes. Yes, yeah, so she did. And it, it was the it
0: Electoral did. College. And, and yeah, basically what we're talking about here is winning over voters. And Hillary did it. And I think I do think Warren could do it also. Um one thing I will say about Warren, I think like Bernie, who I no longer support, but like Bernie, she has the ability to walk into a red state and talk to those voters and win them over. And I say that because number one, Bernie went into um, West Virginia and was able to convince those voters to be interested in Medicare for all. He he does, whatever you think of him, he has an ability to Um, turn some of those Trump supporters and get them to think. Now, the reasons behind it, we could debate that, but he, he can do it. With Elizabeth Warren, I remember early on she was at a town hall debate, and there was a woman on stage who initially... A, did not like her, you could tell. And and B, had said something like, all politicians are the same, I don't trust anybody. I think she had, I think, and I'm not positive about this, but this voter had initially voted for Barack Obama and then she voted for Trump because she feel, you know, she wanted all the bullshit change that he said he was going to give. And um, and then now she's just feeling like, everybody's a liar, I don't trust anybody. And then, so Elizabeth Warren you know, shared her stories and her Aunt B stories. And, and again, this was early on. So she was just telling her tale and explaining how these uh, programs of hers were going to work. And by the end of the town hall, this woman said, well, we definitely need a woman president, which doesn't signal to me that she absolutely was for Warren. But I think Warren impressed her. And I do think that Warren has the ability to uh, talk to voters and who are maybe hostile initially, but she can calm them. I do think that's something that she's good at. But that all that... Uh, yeah, that's... no, I
1: agree. I agree. And, and and the fact that she's not... I mean, she's from Oklahoma. She's yeah. not from New York City. Right. You know, it's funny that the guy that they all love is from New York City. You know, <laughs> the, We hate the, 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 the coastal elitists, but yeah. Trump is our guy. Okay. Right,
0: exactly. Well, they're just constant, constant hypocrites. And it, it's, it is staggering. Um, oh, What was I just going to say? I can't remember what I was going to say. Um, I don't know. I, I think that, oh, I know what I was going to say. I was going to bring up the fact that as much as I, I'm going to be voting for Warren, she is my preferred candidate. Um, right now it's early and it's impossible to tell, but I'm going to, th- I'm going to go with, I do think the nominee eventually will be Biden and it's because of the numbers. And You know, I had a conversation with this woman. I've said this on the show, but this was reiterated by an article in the Washington Post recently by Jonathan Capehart. Uh, There's a black woman that I know. I think she's around 47 years old. And I absolutely adore her. And we talk about politics. And so when I first started asking her who she was for, she said Biden. And so, um, you know, I'm like, what about this one? What about that one? No, Biden, 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 Biden. So, and that was probably, I don't know, six months ago. So maybe three or four weeks ago, I said, okay, so are you still for Biden? She goes, absolutely. I'm still for Biden or Bloomberg. And I said, why? And she said, because it's, I can't remember exactly the, the phrase that she used or the terminology, but she said, this is between white men and they got to they gotta duke it out. She said, I love Elizabeth Warren, but it's, this is between men, white men. And so Jonathan Capehart uh, who's black had written about this exact same thing, and I also saw. And I'm I'm going to say his name wrong. I think it's w- w- Wajet. Waj- I can't remember how to spell his name. Wajet Ali. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know, I know he. He yeah. said that you know a, a lot of the African American voters that he encountered were basically echoing the sentiment that black people feel Biden is the one because it's between these t- these two white men. They got to duke it out, and so then K. does this article that his aunt is, is saying the same thing, and, and the way that K. you know phrased it, it it finally kind of registered in me that I'm, i I can understand, uh, although I don't necessarily fully agree, but I, you know black people are very pragmatic and they're also quite religious, um, so they're not going to be the most progressive. Um, as far as, uh, well, like, I mean, when you, I, I think that, well, they identify as centrist. It's also a friend of mine who's on the show, Stephanie, all the time. She's where work, she works with a group of uh, black women voters and they're for Biden. And all the reasons are the same. And it all boils down to this is a white man's fight and the white men have to duke it out. And while I may disagree with that as far as uh, the bigger picture, I kind of understand what they're talking about. I, I understand their pragmatism and their being centrist and feeling like, all right, my life is on the line, and I just want this shit to go away. And these men are, you know, Biden is the man who's going to be able to stand toe to toe because of his experience in in Congress and as a vice president and his relationship with Obama, and so for all those reasons, and it's not just the black community who's going to be deciding it, but they are a huge and very important voting bloc. Um, I do think it's going to be Biden as much as I'd love to see Elizabeth Warren get it. Um, I do think, but I, that said, I think each candidate could win and each candidate has their own very specific vulnerabilities um, that could get in the way. But um, I'm going to try to be positive and say 2017, 2018, 2019, we saw blue, blue waves and, all the election experts that I've seen have been predicting a blue FUD for 2020 based on specifically based on 2018. So I'm hopeful there. I mean, do, do you think that it's likely going to be Biden?
1: Yeah, I, I, I hadn't, that, those are all interesting points and not ones I had considered. Um, although I think I have heard sort of echoes of the same, the same idea, if not expressed or articulated how you just articulated it. Um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I think Biden is, for better or worse, the guy. But I, this is why a partnership with him and Kamala Harris, uh, in my mind, is so compelling. Mm-hmm. Because it's very unlikely that if Biden is the nominee and Biden wins, he's not going to run again. Yeah, I know. I mean, he's already pretty old. So if he runs and Kamala Harris is the vice president, that automatically makes her the next uh-huh. uh, nominee, pretty much. Right. And right. it just about sews it up. Yeah. And— Paris is also really traditionally in these in these um, campaigns, the vice president is the attack dog. The vice presidential candidate is the one that goes after the other guy. And she's so good at that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, well, um, and
0: I would hope so. I mean, as you pointed out, um, she's the most likely of all of them to go after Trump after this is all done. And I would hope that, you know, I mean, the one thing that I would say concerns me, both Bernie and Warren, is they have not made that clear. Would they go after Trump? Um, would their DOJ, I should say, go after Trump? Uh, I want the next president to do that. And I do believe if Biden picks, um, Kamala Harris, that's going to happen because a, he is, you know, being attacked, he and his son. So it's very personal for him what's happening right now. And then Kamala, I mean, She's, she's a prosecutor and she said she would, she said she would go after him. So I, you know, I would definitely feel comfortable knowing that those, you know, and with, with Elizabeth Warren, I'm not sure she's never made that clear. And I'm, I'm going to guess that Bernie wouldn't. And I think no, Bernie th- would not. Bernie no.
1: would be too busy trying to figure out how to break up the banks by inspiring people to take to the streets or whatever <laughs> the hell his stupid idiot policy idea is. Well, you know, the, re- the
0: reason I think m- – the main reason I think that he wouldn't is because he's referred to Russia, the Russian attack, as a distraction. And that's very concerning to me because – I don't think I mean, I wish that the candidates would talk about the Russian attack more than they're doing, because I had tweeted earlier and I've tweeted this like a million times that if we were attacked with missiles or bombs, it's the only thing right. we would be talking about. But since it's information cyber warfare, nobody's talking about it. And yes. so, you know, and Bernie seems to think it's a distraction, which to me is even worse because, it, you know, it's like, sure, we can talk about all these Main Street issues, but we have to. We have to focus on the fact that we are being attacked and that the current administration is not only allowing it to happen, they're helping the Russians do it. They're helping. Yeah. So it it's never being mentioned and I do think as I said since Biden, you know, is part of all of this and it's personal to him and if he brings in Kamala, oh my god, they would be the people to do it. So I mean, th- you know, I mean as much as I have some issues with Joe Biden. My issues with him are more about the fact that I fear that he's not up to it. Uh, I, because sometimes he worries me when when he speaks. I feel like sometimes his words get slurred together. And it's not about um, a stutter. It's It's just, I mean, my dad is just about his age. And sometimes my dad does that. And it's like, I wouldn't want my dad to run for president, but you know, I'm going to go back to everything that you said. And, and the, the fact that he's got all this experience and he, he does understand government. I don't think that he he's let's, I don't think that he can't handle the job. I just, he's
1: also going to pick good people.
0: That's it. He knows he was intimately
1: involved in the Obama administration. He can go in there pretty much from day one Figure out who's going to run everything, yeah. and just sort of sit back and play it that way. And, and he'll have his, the help of Obama. Let his secretaries run the country.
0: Yeah, you know? and uh, yeah, of course, Obama will be right there um, anytime he needs him. And so I think that we can pretty much count on that.
1: Can we? Can we talk about Bernie now?
0: We can. I was just going to bring that up, but I want I do want to kind of I want you to talk about Bernie, but I also want to kind of focus on. You wrote "Burn" after reading B E R N. That was very clever. Um, Thank you. And it was a very good article. Uh, one of the things that you were talking about is that you were snowed by Edward Snowden and Glenn Greenwald. Now, yes. it's funny because as I as I, I, I messaged you last night that my boyfriend, Bob Susco was all over this. He he was um, smelling something back in 2013 and he was writing about it and he was getting pissed off because he would notice that, like in an article that Glenn Greenwald was writing, he he would he would say all this explosive stuff at the top, and then at the bottom of the article, where nobody bothers to read anymore, um, maybe the truth would be there or a portion of the truth. But and and you know what? I didn't follow any of it. I didn't get duped because I wasn't even following it. And it was also funny because before Bob and I got together, he told me that he went through my Facebook page all the way back to 2013 to see if I had a stand on it because he was so like opposed (laughs) Ah. to Greenwald and Snowden and everything that was going on. And he was like, so concerned that I was going to be, you know, pro. But anyway, you write in this burn uh, after reading that you were snowed by them and you used um, the term military grade psyop. And so I just wanted to preface that. Now you go. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay i read i i read your boyfriend's uh stuff last night and it's all very good i'm jealous that he was able to <laughs> figure this out before i did um so for, the first thing is that you, you mentioned before about bernie going into these like west virginia and and, and be, getting people to be able to listen to him and making compelling arguments for universal health care or medical whatever he, he does mm-hmm. and i want to say that um first that's how this stuff works like mm-hmm. If Bernie had ideas that were horrible, that we didn't like, none of this would would, fun, would, would work, you know? Mm-hmm. So with Snowden, he comes out and he has this compelling narrative, which is, oh my God, the government's spying on us. Everything is awful. They're recording everything. I am the whistleblower hero. I have exposed this, blah, blah, blah. And the pushback from Obama is really strange. Everybody seems walled off, that they don't want to talk about it that much. And we are trained through years and years of reading novels and watching movies to think that the government is evil, that the deep state exists and it's out to get us or whatever, that the CIA is a bunch of, you know, they killed Kennedy and whatever else these things were were sort of, um, you know, conditioned to maybe consider might be real. Mm -hmm. So when Snowden comes out and says something like this, there's something very seductive about it. And he speaks well and he uh, articulates his positions well and he's young and he's, you know, not ugly. His girlfriend (laughs) is very pretty, all this kind of stuff. And you're like, yeah, this is, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. And And then the next thing, you know, all all this shit goes down and he's in Moscow all of a sudden Mm -hmm. for some reason. And, you know, then years go by without me really thinking about it that much or, or putting the pieces together. So, uh, then you go back and look at what actually happened and it's like, okay, Greenwald, um, who I really came to admire during the, the, the Bush two years, because he wrote really good things about, you know, Grave and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. He, he was very good when he wrote for The Guardian. And I, maybe if I go back and revisit the pieces now, I won't think so. But at the time, Certainly very influential for me, mm-hmm. and Greenwald was saying this guy is so much of a hero that I'm going to stake my reputation on it. So that was enough for me. I didn't, you know, I didn't need any more than that um, to think that it was okay. But when I started figuring out the Trump Russia stuff, like in, in around January 2017, um, I looked, and Greenwald was basically poo-pooing it. He yes. was trying to quote-unquote debunk it. He was calling everybody charlatans. He, and he was, still is. Um, what was that?
0: He still is.
1: Yeah, he still is. Um, and I thought, well, you know, he has egg on his face about, about I think I used egg on his face twice now on this podcast. I don't I think so. Say that, I, I <laughs> twice, so. I never say that.
0: I thought I only heard it once, but whatever. <laughs>
1: yeah. So he's go back and delete the first menu. so he he um, maybe he's just doubling down trying to save face, whatever. But now it's pretty clear that, you know, the Snowden thing was an op like He went to Moscow. The airport in Moscow where he was for 40 days is owned and controlled, not owned, but controlled fully by Semyon Mogilevich and the Russian mob, Mm -hmm. as written in Red Mafia by uh, Friedman. So, you know, you don't hole up at that at that airport for 40 days and the press not have access to you unless the mob is involved. Period. And. Julian Assange is involved. He's helping the lawyer get there. He arranged the travel papers. Yes. Assange is a Russian asset. We mm-hmm. know this now. Yes. Um, so, and then he goes to Russia. That's where he wound up, in mm-hmm. Russia. So, you know, you look at it now through this lens and you say, is this an American hero trying to just an exile? Or is this a made Russian asset defecting? Because mm-hmm. that looks now like what happened. Yes. So then you look at Greenwald and like, what, what's, you, what's up with you, buddy? Because you've been spinning this narrative this mm-hmm. whole time, you're still spinning this narrative, and your narrative is is, is false. So somebody like Greenwald uh, is either a useful idiot for Russia, or he's in on it, and yes. that's it. There are there are not or he's any compromised. Yeah,
0: I mean, there's definitely you know? been questions of whether or not he's yeah. been compromised.
1: So that's kind of the 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 the, the prelude. Now we skip to Bernie. Wait, before before Bernie, you skip to
0: Bernie, I just have to add uh, Taibbi's part of it, Matt Taibbi. Because I used to I used to admire him so much. And then he's basically on that Greenwald train right now where he is a Bernie person who absolutely dismisses um, the importance of the Russia attack and all of it. So, okay, go on. I just had to add that.
1: But he spent all that time in Moscow in his 20s. Yes. When he was single and having fun. I'm sure they have nothing on him. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, 2016 Bernie, Bernie appears and like I said, he's very compelling. Like mm-hmm. you liked Bernie at the time. I didn't hate I didn't hate him. I thought, "Oh, yeah, this is nice. This, you know, kind of like, you know, old uncle or something. And he's got <laughs> all these great old school progressive ideas and, oh my god, look, the campaign is going well and all this kind and of stuff. And it's crazy hair. I don't know what he has against combs. I don't know. He never combs his hair, like, ever in his life. It's really weird. But, you know, he has all this stuff, and and, and people are responding to it, and Russia starts to uh, amplify the message. Mm -hmm. And this is not something I made up. This is not a Reddit thing that I read by some – anonymous account. It's in the fucking Mueller report. Okay? And I saw it with my so,
0: own eyes and I was, yeah. I was somebody who was uh, manipulated by it, by it, not to the right. point where I hated Hillary, but it made me yeah. question her and it put seeds of doubt in my head.
1: But you have now Bernie maybe was not aware of this as it was happening, mm-hmm. but eventually he was made aware of it and didn't really push back against it. Didn't really come out and criticize it, sort of pivoted against Hillary and continued to campaign Long after he was mathematically eliminated. Mm-hmm. So these are, and, and you know, I don't know who's responsible for the, the election, da, 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 but Bernie certainly did not help Hillary. He mm-hmm. helped Trump by doing that. Well, he so, did blame but again, her. He said, that is she, over. He and said that I'm she. I'm willing to believe. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just
0: going to say that he, he said that she didn't say enough about it when she was the only one talking about Russia.
1: Right. Yeah. No, so he, he throws the narrative off. So that's 2016. So I'm willing to accept that Bernie himself got played and that was it. But why is he running now? You know, it's tw- it's 2020. The Russian, they're still helping him. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the Bernie bots on Twitter are worse than anything. I had to lock yeah. down my account a couple weeks ago because of the, the bots mm-hmm. were, were like going in and, and doing weird things. And it do- that doesn't happen when I attack Trump or go after any of these people. It's only the Bernie people. Mm-hmm. So why is that? Why is he running now? Why hasn't he come out and condemned the, the amplification and the bots? Why, has he, why did he vote against the sanctions? Why did the other vote against the sanctions he missed because why? He was dealing with the sexual harassment problem with his campaign.
0: Yes, and that was a, a meeting that he had all the power to schedule the time.
1: Right. Exactly. But it isn't even a good excuse. So mm-hmm. it's certainly not a pri- the Russia stuff is not a priority with him. And it sh- And you know what? If you go back and look at his history, he's loved the Soviet Union for his entire life. Mm-hmm. He's always been a big pro-Soviet booster. And that's you know, he had the flag up in his mayoral office and all that. There's lots and lots and lots of evidence of this. So it just is the, what it is. He is naturally predisposed to liking Russia. And that's it. So he's also an extreme egomaniac. He doesn't like to be attacked. He doesn't like to be told he's wrong. Um, People tend not to like him or like working with him, even people in the Democratic Party who position-wise should be aligned with him. So whether or not he's aware of the Russian help now and doesn't care or what, he should not be running now. If he was a patriot and cared about the country, he would just endorse Warren and step aside. The fact that he keeps this up Knowing that Russia is helping him, knowing that he's a divisive candidate and knowing that he probably can't win, although someone that egotistical, I'm sure can't admit that to himself, is just um, I don't know what to say about it. It's irresponsible to the highest order. That's the guy that we want to be the president. And when I point this stuff out on Twitter, people will go at me and they're like, you just hate poor people. They'll say, or you don't want health care. What the fuck does one thing have to do with the other? You know, I do want health care. And this rush it up asshole is not the guy that's going to give it to you or me or anybody. So I I just, you know, I get when people liken him in 2016, but liking him now after all we know and supporting him when there is a perfectly more viable candidate who is a progressive Mm -hmm. in the race who might actually win is to me just... I don't even know what the word is. Like you're gullible <laughs> to such a degree that uh, just Putin thanks you. That's my new thing. When people like yeah. argue to me about this, I just write Putin. Thanks you. You know, well, I you're think, voting, yeah. for Bernie, you're voting for Putin. Period. I think,
0: you know, as, as somebody who initially was for Bernie. And I think I said at the intro, I, 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 I recorded like 50 intros because I always make a, a I, I fuck up. So I don't remember <laughs> if I said it or not, but I, I cried when he lost two times. I cried uh, when he lost, and then I cried. Later, I was Bob was doing Stephanie Miller does the sexy liberal comedy tour thing, and so you know Bob was like seeing it or whatever, and they showed a video of Bernie's ad with the Simon and Garfunkel song and everything. I cried then, so. I, I it was never that I was attached to Bernie the person. I was attached to as you said, you know, his vision and, and 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 his progressive vision. And the way that I the kind of person that I am is I totally recognize that in order to um to see progress in this com- country, we're going to have to work with with the other side. Now yes. if, you, if you bring this up to Certain people, and it really does, and it's not just Bernie supporters, but if you bring this up to certain Democrats, they immediately dismiss you and they say, Oh, well, we can never work with the Republicans. Democrats just can't do whatever the fuck they want unless they have a majority, a huge majority. So if we don't have a huge majority, we have to figure out ways to pass bills and to get shit done with the other side. And You know, right now as we speak, as divided as we are between you know Democrats and Republicans, there are still a few occasionally that work together. Every once in a while, they surprise you. Like Matt Gates came out against or came out for with the Democrats um, with this whole thing about Trump being able to do whatever he wants with war. Right. So sometimes they're going to surprise you, and sometimes I think it was who was it? Was oh, I can't remember if it was Booker or Buttigieg or or I don't remember which candidate it was, but they were, uh, oh, no, I know. It was Beto O'Rourke was talking about uh, his work with Republicans on certain issues and how, you know, there there was one particular trip where he was like a road trip with another Republican and they had figured out some kind of a, a deal for a bill that they were going to work on together and that they did. So it is possible to still work together. Right now we are dealing with a crazy GOP, but what, what I think the, the Democrats who want to argue that we can't get anything done if we do have a majority that's going to push Republicans to be a little bit more open to working with us because they want to save their seats and they, they, they want to do, they're not just going to be obstructionists if they're in the minority complete obstructionists.
1: They're also not going to be obstructionists if they're in prison.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But my fear about that is that I don't know. I mean, you know again going back to Kamala Harris as vice president and and Joe Biden getting the DOJ to go out DOJ to go after people even if that happens which i do hope that it does i don't think that i'm going to see as many arrests and as much justice as i would like because we live in this country unfortunately that um, a lot of the white collar criminals get away with uh, yeah. what they do so while we may see some you know we've already seen uh, members of the Trump administration going to jail, Paul Manafort, et cetera. I don't know that we're going to see all of them. So we're still going to be ha- having to deal with, um, you know, these Republicans who may have been a part of this but have ha- escaped jail. And we're going to have to figure out ways to maybe not work with them, but some of their colleagues. And I do think it's possible. But again, if we have a Democratic majority, we have more power to persuade them to work with us. As opposed to, you know, I'm not saying we should bend over for GOP. I'm just saying that there is uh, there is an opportunity, um, depending on the the person and the relationship between the people. So, you right. know, I, I think that's possible. I mean, you know, I, Joe Biden gets criticized, and I think it's fair, because sometimes he says things about the Republican Party, like, oh, they'll have an epiphany. No, they're not. They're not going to have an epiphany. They're, they're going to continue to obstruct. But... I think that if we can vote Mitch McConnell out, which would be fucking awesome, and if we could get some of these key players out because they now have some, you know, challengers that just might do that, um, you know, there's there's a bigger shot for the Democrats or a bigger opportunity for the Democrats to, you know, finally get some of that. Not epiphany, but like, all right, we, we've been defeated. And, you know, as, as – as, what's his name? Um, Joe Walsh said – there are so many Republicans, just voters, and I'm sure many members of Congress who are Trump, like behind Trump publicly, but I think they hate him personally. And I think some of them will just be relieved when he's gone.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's true. The, the It's McConnell also, though, it's the obstructionist thing that goes against what the country is founded on. You know, yeah. the, the the way that politics works in the united states and always has even before the civil war and everything else the parties come together they don't like each other they don't like their positions but they they manage to compromise yeah and if you have one side that flat out refuses to even try to do that you cannot function as a government no so um i, I look forward to a time when there will be uh people coming together to compromise and i think that in the post-trump age there's going to be a lot of um opportunity for the parties to work together i think that the the republicans that survive Mm -hmm. this uh the coming purge which i hope will happen Mm -hmm. uh will be eager to um display and demonstrate that they are not trumpists and i think the democrats obviously want to just right the ship at this point it's not about in my mind you know all this medicare for all or uh, the, the the progressive stuff is is lovely but first, the ship needs to be righted. I mean, yeah, the State yeah, Department absolutely. has to be rebuilt. The um, you know he's gutted all of these all of these departments and agencies, and we're going to have to undo all the damage he's caused before we move forward. Mm-hmm. And that's going to take time. Yeah, it's but going to take time I, 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 for sure. I do think that we're going to be able to do it. And you, you know who's going to know how the new uh, Republican Party is going to uh, function in the post-Trump age? Steve Schmidt. That's who. Yeah. so well, the teaser for your next <laughs>
0: <thing>. <laughs> Um, You know, I want to cover last before you go. You, okay. you I, I really liked the term military-grade psyops. I'm saying that right, aren't I? Sire. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Now, I I want to bring this up because there I'm going to keep pushing this too. So, pardon me for being a broken record, but there are a lot of liberal progressives out there who love to think that they can't be a victim of that. Now, as you said in your article, that you you were duped by um, you know Snowden and Greenwald, and I was duped by some of these articles that were coming out in 2016. I think we're both pretty intelligent people. Um, and both of us were fooled by certain kinds of information that weren't necessarily true. And just, you know, and there was an article in the Rolling Stone in Rolling Stone that came out recently that specifically talked about these, these liberal accounts that have a lot of followers and what they wind up doing. And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring this back to H.A. Uh, Goodman. I don't know if you know who he is, but there are these liberal accounts and they start off and they're all liberal and progressive and, and all the, you know, we may not know who these people are or these troll accounts are, but we think that they're liberals and then they say what we agree with and we're like, yeah. And then we retweet it and we follow them and they amass these huge followings. And then they slowly start to switch up what they're saying and they start to cast some doubt. So you've got this one person who's like a blanket pro Democrat, and then they start to question the front runner. Or whatever it is, so that and and they're they're Russians. Or perhaps they might even be Republican right wing extremists who are engaging in this kind of behavior. We don't always know who they are. In this case, the Rolling Stone article pointed out these people were Russian. So they're actual people, but they're not who they say they are. And so I'm just reminded of back in and I never liked this guy, but in twenty sixteen H. A. Goodman, who got you know writing gigs in the Huffington Post and Salon and and some pretty high um, high up there uh, websites that you know are credible, he he was a Bernie supporter and he was rabid. And he, you know, I was in all these Bernie groups and on, on Facebook. And so H.A. Goodman was in each one of these groups and and he'd always write these articles and he would, and they were always the same. Hillary's going to be indicted tomorrow or the next day. Hillary's going to be indicted. Hillary's going to be indicted. And then all the Bernie supporters were like, just whether they were real or not, they were salivating, over every little thing that he said. And he was listing why she was going to be indicted. And A, she never got indicted. And B, it, I was upset to see that, you know, initially those groups started off pro-Bernie and then they t- devolved into these anti-Hillary hellscapes. Right. And, and I, you know, I mean, I wasn't necessarily into Bernie because I wanted to hate on Hillary. I just thought he was a better choice for the country with his vision. And so I saw this, like like I said, I mean, it had all these groups devolved and it was around April of 2016 when it started because initially everybody was just kumbaya and I love Bernie. And then it just turned into this hate pit. And so now H.A. Goodman, who has been kicked off Twitter, I think he was kicked off of Facebook. I'm not sure if he's even on YouTube anymore, but he's a real guy because he does videos. You know, he's been, he's now H.A. Goodman for Trump. So that's the perfect Ah. example of, you know, all these Bernie supporters heard what they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear that Hillary was going to get indicted because that means Bernie was going to be the guy and that's what they wanted. They didn't give a shit if it was true or not. And then, of course, I do believe that there were trolls and bots who amplified this message. Well, that's weird. All of a sudden we stopped recording and I don't know why. Um, But I did listen and we didn't really lose anything important. So back with Greg now. Okay, we are recording now. I don't know what happened, but it just stopped recording. And as
1: it stopped gr- recording when we were talking about military-grade science. <laughs> I so know. I blame the, Ru- blame the Russians and call it a day, I think. Is, I it, think we're going to have thing.
0: to do that. And I know you got to go, so I'm going to go back and listen to when it got cut off, and I'll just fill everybody in with, with what we were talking about. Um, but thank you so much, Greg. I love talking to you. You know you're coming back.
1: I any time I'm I'm here I, I'm all for it and uh it's always a pleasure I'm 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 kind of like pleasantly surprised that you invited me back because I wasn't sure how how my anti Bernie views would go over but uh um, Well no I mean I'm pretty, pretty much it.
0: on the same page with you I just I, I yeah. worry because I I try very hard to stay away from, I mean, occasionally I give in, but I try to stay away from the divisive um, conversations because it's a headache and it's upsetting to me. But you know what? We've got to have these conversations because it is a primary and we have to vet the candidates and, you know, we're not always going to agree. So we need to be adults about it. And I, I, and I think that you do a very good job because I do think you're fair. I don't think that you're just coming from a place of, I hate that guy. You're coming from a place of, I've studied this, and here's my opinion on it. So I appreciate it, and I always love having you on. And of course, you will be coming back, so you know, just be prepared. And where can everybody find you?
1: Um, well, I'm on the Twitters at uh, Greg Oliar, <laughs> which is my name. And then I have a sub stack, which I write uh, twice a week, um, just writing about various Trump-Russia kind of stuff. So you can follow me there as well.
0: Awesome. And I will include that in the uh, Patreon description. So that's all going to be there. Thank you again. And we'll talk to you next time.
1: Thanks so much. Okay. Take care.
0: Bye-bye. Oh, my God. I'm so pissed off that the uh, recording stopped. What the fuck happened? And, yeah, it did stop when we were talking about Russia. So I don't exactly know when, it's, when that happened. But um, I'm going to, you know, listen to it. And then I'll go back and maybe add some stuff. Just whatever I was saying, and uh, that's that. So, like I said, Steve Schmidt should be on the 29th. and that. Oh, I'm also going to be talking to Volatile Mermaid. She she's on Twitter as Oh No She Twittn't. and I absolutely adore her. She's got the best takes. She's so sarcastic. She's she's a feminist and she's fierce. And I've never talked to her before, but I'm really excited. I think she's coming on the twenty. When is she coming on the twentieth? So that's going to be next Monday. woohoo! We're going to have the MeWe guys coming on tomorrow. And then next Monday, we're going to have Volatile Mermaid. And then on the 22nd, we're going to have Scott Dworkin. And then on the 29th, we're going to have Steve Schmidt. Now, on the 30th, I'm going to go to the Lump Doctor. I told you guys about this last year. I've got a lump on my tonsil. I think everything is fine. But I was supposed to go on the ninth, but it got postponed. So I'm going to be going on the thirtieth. So I'm not probably not going to be doing a show on the twenty-seventh. But you know, stay tuned. We'll find out about that. Um, that's going to be. I, I had mentioned last week that I want to start doing two shows per month, and I'm pretty much just jumping in. But occasionally there might be a week where I can only do one show um, because I have to write. And then I also have my Wednesday show and then like there are days where I have to go to the doctor. I'm not looking forward to this. I'm slightly nervous. I think everything should be fine, but I get nervous because um, occasionally I don't feel good. It's not anything like I'm debilitated and I can't move. But I, I, you know, let me just kind of go back. I used to be a smoker, so of course that scares me. I was a smoker and now I have a lump on my tonsil. I have been to the doctor. She told me that it was benign. I had a CT scan. Nothing troubling showed up other than what they described as a blockage. Fun. And then, uh, although she did think that the the ear, nose, and throat doctor said she thought that it was like uh, some kind of a, um, how did she describe it? Uh, Something was blocked. I can't remember how she described it. But she said, just to be on the safe side because you smoked, you should go see the lump doctor. I just call him a lump doctor. And I get worried because okay, I I stopped smoking in 2013, so it's now in November of 2020. It's going to be six years, right? Isn't that no seven years? So it's already been six years, and I've noticed that I used to get sick all the time. And then when I and, and when I say sick, I mean I would get colds all the time. I would get maybe two or three colds per year, um, and then maybe one really bad you know, chest cold or flu or something like that. So then when I stopped smoking, immediately for the first year or two, I did get some terrible chest colds. And then they pretty much stopped. So it's funny, because I've been with Bob Seska now for ever since 2015. Ever since we've been together, I've really only had one bad cold. And it wasn't even as bad as they used to be. And like that's so unusual for me but what i have experienced is i often feel like when i say often i'll say maybe two times a month i feel like i'm fighting something off and so my throat will start to bother me now it doesn't get painful and it doesn't hurt but it's um i don't know it just feels funny and Yesterday I woke up and I thought I was getting sick. This happens to me often where I think, okay, I'm getting sick and then I don't get sick. So I don't know what that means. I don't know if it has anything to do with this damn fucking lump on my throat. But I'll find out on the 30th and that'll be that. So, um, all right, well, I really like talking to Greg. I want your take on him. And I I hope that if you're a Bernie supporter that you at least just take a listen. You don't have to agree. You don't have to feel the same way. I hope that you do recognize the facts that are out there. But if, if he's still your guy, that's fine. He's still your guy. I don't want to hate. I'm so sick and tired of the hate. I'm so sick and tired of everybody hating on each other and being mean and, and saying shitty things to each other. It's like, look, we're going to get a nominee. Let's just get behind the nominee and defeat this motherfucker. I hate that guy. I hate Donald Trump. I don't want to hate, but I hate, I hate, I hate him. I think we all do. Most of us do, except for the crazies. So, and when I say crazies, I'm even including the smart people who are defending him and would vote for him again. I think they're crazy. I think they're being ridiculous. So, there's that. Uh, don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Author Kimberly. You can also find all of my books, Peyton's Choice, The Virgin Diaries, American Woman, and uh, Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak. They're all on Amazon. Kimberly A. Johnson, I think I've got the A in there, but Kimberly Johnson, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y, don't forget that extra E, Uh, most people do. So when you remember it, I truly appreciate it. And again, just before we go, I want to remind you, I'm really excited about 2020 as far as this podcast is concerned, because I've got some great guests that are going to be coming on. I haven't said anything because, um, you know, schedules change and I, I don't want to necessarily jinx it, but I've got some good people. You're going to be happy, but you know, who's coming up for the rest of this month that's it for now. I will talk to you later. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to sign up at patreon.com/startmeup. I will be forever grateful and your best friend for life. Take care everybody.